It's time once again, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, for another episode of Life of Brian. Dot, 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 Mannix, that is the podcast starring Brian Mannix. I was trying to do that like a boom, I, I trying to do it like a boom crash opera thing. You know, remember the start of that boom crash opera song? It said boom crash opera. I was trying to do it like that. Oh, Brian Maddox. That was the worst thing I ever did, actually. That on the start of that song? I that was a bit, uh, I thought that was a bit cheap and nasty for them. Um, I love everything that they do except for that particular bit. Hmm. I think that uh, was unnecessary. Fair enough. Controversial comments from, uh, from me <laughs> right off the bat. Uh, how are you? How's uh, how's the uh, the rock star lifestyle going? And I know you you're still uh, transient. Well, by the time this goes to air, I'll have I'll be in my own um, my new new bachelor mansion pad. But um, at, as we speak. Um, I'm just wandering around in my jocks at Lucky Phil's house. And, um, so n- nothing really that spectacular at the moment, but by the time this goes to air, it'll be, life will be great. Of course, so, he, he wasn't known as Lucky Phil until you started walking around uh, his house in your jocks, and that's when everyone started calling him Lucky Phil. Now he's unlucky, sir. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, well, good luck with that, because uh, house moving, I reckon, is one of the most uh, insanely anxious things that you will ever do. Well, yeah, it's um, been a long time coming and, um, you know, I'll have to go and buy linen and all that sort of crap tomorrow and plates and glasses and towels. Oh, and, here we go. Uh, Look, everyone, it's, oh, it's Brian Mannix in Spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> I probably will be going to Spotlight and Target and yep. Kmart and... Um, Anyway, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to just look out that way at the ocean and the beautiful buildings of a surface paradise. And um, so, yeah, that'll be great because I'm sick of living out of a case, which I've probably mentioned on this show many, 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 many times. Fair enough. All right. Well, we've uh, got a terrific show. Uh, thanks to our good friends at Murcotts. Of course, you can give them a buzz, one three hundred five 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 seven six. 555 576 Don't be one of those people who has a prank and then goes, oh, wish I'd rung Murcotts. Wish I'd gone to see yeah. Murcotts. Don't be one of those people. Get no, in front of it. Those. Get in front of it. Do it now. Give them a buzz. one three hundred five 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 seven six. 555 576 Advanced driving, defensive driving, just better driving. Better driving, that's exactly. it. one three hundred triple five five seven six. Get on down to Murcotts. On the show today, Susan Holder, uh, uh, author... Uh, a well-known uh, uh, journalist and uh, and TV presenter in the UK and also wife of Noddy. She's a hoot. She's a ripper. She's funny. There's both We've got two really good guests on today and they're both very funny and very interesting. I'm quite impressed with this week's show. Yeah, it's good. Uh, we'll get to Susan a little later on, talk about her book, Shake It Up, Beverly, and, of course, life with uh, Noddy Holder. For uh, more than 30 years they've been uh, married and together, uh, the lead singer of Slade. Uh, and our other guest is a good mate of ours, Shane Jacobson, who's just one of the most multi-talented and, uh, and terrific blokes you'll, you'll ever meet. He wouldn't be short of a quid, I don't reckon, Kev. The old chain? Well, he's, he works all the time. He works. He probably works more than Eddie McGuire. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. saying something. Uh, and he's got a terrific new state show that he's about to uh, appear in. Uh, he's got uh, straight. He's got talent. Uh, they've just been announcing all the details of that. That's about to start. So we've got a lot to talk to him about. So let's get to it here on the Life of Brian and talk to our good mate Shane Jacobson. I'm just thinking though, before we do, if <laughs> Eddie McGuire and Shane Jacobson just accepted one job each, that would pretty much. Cure- Cure all of the unemployment in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> would. You're probably right. Uh. Hi, mate. And a very good morning to you, Mr. Jacobson. How the bloody hell are you? Well, I'm. <laughs> now you sound like an Australian tourism ad. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good. Uh, Brian's, uh, Brian's on the uh, other end of this as well. I am. Hey, mate. Holly Shane. How are you? How are you yeah, good, buddy. Mate, I'm good. I'm good, flat out, but that's that's a good thing they tell me. 
Well, you know, if if we do it... The busiest man in Australia. Yeah, exactly right. What am I? Most unattractive, what did you say? Man in Australia. (laughs) The busiest man in Australia. (laughs) I thought you said unattractive. Well, that's just what I knew and imagined. Yeah, no, it's a bit on. uh, Yeah, I mean, it's better than COVID, as we know, so I'll take it. Yep. Whatever the work is. Yeah, I'm currently packing shelves at Bunnings, but look, I'm happy to do whatever it takes. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a bit of a change of pace, your new role. In hairspray? Yeah, I've done I've done music I've done a lot of music theatre before. I've done so Guys and Dolls and I've done Rocky Horror uh, Rocky Horror the stage show, I've done Mother and Son. So I've done many stage shows, Drazzy Chaperone. So I have done a lot of uh, musical theatre. Um, but I just haven't done it dressed as a woman. But um, but yeah, I'm thrilled because the the the, the role of Edna Turnblad is the one that John Travolta so famously played, and I love the way he did it. So look, I I can't wait. I'm gonna. I've even said to my mum, I get to celebrate a bit of her kind of gentle personality on stage, which is great. So much, you know, I see it as a tribute to her as well as the great musical. I've got to ask you: Do you go back as far as I mean? Because you're not, you're not, uh, you know, you're not not as old as me, but you're not uh, that much younger than me. Do you go back and uh, uh, divine? Do you remember divine doing the role? Yeah, definitely, definitely, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I do actually. Because divine was a, a most interesting human being. Uh, uh, came out here in the in the mid eighties when the when the film was out, and was a was a rather uh, yeah most unusual human being. She had that song, You Think You're a Man, But You're Only a Boy. Remember that? Yeah. Hardly yeah. enough to yeah. satisfy me. That was her, wasn't it? Yep. Yep. Yep, that was her. And uh, in her first movies, they used to make them on uh, Super 8. And they used to have to do things to um, create, you know, interest. And I think she ate some dog shit in the, um, in the very first film, before Hairspray, which was made by the same guy. John Waters. So yeah. there you go. Yep. She she not actually I'm... she literally ate it, or do you mean figuratively well, or literally? I think it was no, really. You could see her sticking it in her mouth. Yeah, but, no, uh, really. I think it was really dog shit. So, you know, the things you got to suffer for your art, and at that time it was our turn. But uh, I'm yeah. about to eat some. I bet, so, I'm about to eat some. I'm about to eat some shit in my career, but not <laughs> literally. <it. laughs> How long is it going to take you to get made up every night for this show? Well, yeah. So the, we we had a shoot. Uh, we had a, a sort of a, a shoot for the commercial, if you will, a couple of quite a few weeks ago, and it took them about an hour to get me there. But it'll only take half an hour um, once we get up to speed. So, but it is it is thirty minutes in the chair before each show just to get myself ready to go. That's just makeup, and then and then wardrobe is probably another five or ten on top of that. So about about forty minutes. So. Yeah, there's a bit of work in it, um, but but having said that, there's not a woman on earth that's not going to say right now, "Well, welcome to the club." That's what we do, you know. So uh, can't complain. It's a hell of a cast. Yeah. It's a great cast. Yeah, we've got you know Millsy there. We've got Rhonda Birchmore, Todd McKenney going to be playing Wilbur, my husband. So yeah, there's a, there's a, a, a and, and look, the entire cast is fantastic, to be honest. And it's one of those shows where the ensemble as well uh, can just. Sing the roof off any theatre could you know could sing rain out of a cloud. So it, it and and it in particular hairspray. My family love it. So my my I've got four kids and my I've no idea what their names are, but there's four of these things <laughs> on earth. And um, but, no, but my daughter said uh, when she first heard me and my wife talking about it, she said, "Daddy, you really are you talking about hairspray?" And I said, "Yeah." And she said, "As any of you have been asked to be in it?" And I said, "Yeah." And she said, "Which role?" And I said, "Edna, the mother role." And she said, "Oh no, Dad, you have to do this." And I'll be honest, it's not often you know we get to hear our kids. Well, in my case, I haven't heard it too often where my kids, it's not that they're not happy with what I do, but I've never had them excited and go, please tell me you're going to do that. We want to come and see you do that. So um, my kids, I'm not going to say for the first time ever, we have a ball together, but yeah, it's the first time I've had them actively want me to do a role so they can come and see it. So I'm kind of excited for that, for that as well, to be honest. Did it come out of left field, Shane, the the, the whole offer and all that sort of stuff, or is it something you, you thought about in the past at all? Um, I was I was actually I was I was actually in the running to do it once before. It's so not to me. It wasn't. It was almost. It's a role I, I've wanted to play. Well, it's a it's it's a show I've wanted to be in because then I think the message now for those that haven't seen the stage show or the movie Hairspray, and this is this is based on the Broadway version of it, and it, it is. It, you know, it, it follows very closely to what the film does. It, it's it's all about inclusion and racial tension in America. Which let's be honest, the, the themes. Not old now. Uh, yeah. The theme is as relevant today as it ever was, 
and inclusion, and it's about a, a woman who is body image as well. Um, and the, the girl Tracy is a plus size lady, if you will, a girl, and and she's got confidence to go out, and she's got you know she's happy in her own skin, which is a beautiful message. And yet, I play a woman who kind of is afraid to leave the front door of her own house because of her shape. So, all of these things are issues that are still very much on the table. Um, of the world now. So I love the musical for all those reasons, but also the music in it is so incredibly strong. Um, so, yeah, so for me, it was it was a welcome offer, you know, and I do, you know, I, I love the stage. The theatre was my first love. As they say, I started performing on stage at eight. In fact, I think it was about quarter past eight, but don't worry about the details. So, yeah, but I, yeah, I, I started as a kid, so the theatre is always where I, I love being, to be honest. Yeah. The production of the show, because I think it's been on once before in Australia, I don't know, about five, ten years ago maybe, and all of the production, I think, was just LED screens so that everything was kind of projected and stuff. Is that what you're doing this time? No, they're, they're going going back, mate, they're going back to a little bit more traditional. You're right, it was with LED screens. In fact, um, I think in rehearsal and tech rehearsals, they spent that long staring at them. Some of the crew actually got sort of seasick from the LED and, and I think they had to turn it down a bit because it was so bright. But it, 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 then it was a new technology, and, and I get it. They were keen to play with it. And, you know, the screens can make any set. I, I, I kind of understand why they would have given that a go. But this this is going to be yeah. slightly more traditional um, and have actual sets, you know, props and sets and scenery. So, yeah, a little bit more traditional. But um, but having said that, you know, the thing has all the mod cons of moving lights and everything else, as we know, that are very much a part of theatre now. So it's, it's, it's a bit of a mixture, if you will. And... How much dancing is involved and how good are you at the dancing? So I, I tap dance as a kid. I did a lot of dancing as a kid. I used to dance oh, okay. in variety shows and there's a fair bit in it. Between yeah. just the three of us and all of your listeners, which keeps it less of a secret than I'd like, um, <laughs> I've, got, I've got a bit of a problem with my hip. And I'm, so my wife keeps saying, are you going to get your hip replaced before you go out there and dance? So... Stay tuned. You may see a heavily drugged Shane Jacobson on stage trying to dance. Oh, wow. Because, uh, no, so look, it should be fine. I've just got a bit of a funny a bit of funny thing in my hip. I'm 52, and as we know, you know, stuff happens. My, you know, my, my dad's had it. My dad's had a hip operation, which I don't think it worked. He's still not hip. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it, as we all know, when you get past 50, your hip goes out more than you do, you know. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, goodness me. Oh, very good. All right, so now you've got the stage thing. Now, now Brian said you're the busiest man in showbiz. So what's happening on the movie front at the moment? Yeah, so there's a, a few movies on the horizon. COVID, COVID stopped a few that were sort of going to go. So I've got some films um, that I can't yet talk about that are, that are on the horizon. It's actually the biggest problem we've got with some of them is, is my availability at the moment because I'm about to um, launch into Australia's Got Talent. Um, so that kicks off. I've got to start recording that up in Sydney very soon. And then I've got um, a bunch of uh, corporate shows that I've got to do and, and you know, I do a lot of stuff with IGA and Sydney Water. So I've got some campaigns there that... Um, we're working on and some commercials have been shooting and then so I go to Australia's Got Talent then we start rehearsals for Hairspray and then I'm, I'm on stage with that for the probably for the best part of a year so um, yeah the biggest problem I've got is schedule um, but yeah there is there is some more on the horizon that we're just waiting to um, to see where they land schedule wise to be honest Alright and TV well I you didn't... mentioned that you're doing Australia's Got Talent so the, the, that's a, another series of that which has been hugely successful yeah, and, and, and mate, it's, it's one that I love, and Brian knows this. There's actually talent hidden everywhere in Australia. I mean, Brian's been in the music industry, you know, lo- longer than I've almost been on earth. And, you know, they're just as you know, you Brian, how, how often do you go into a pub and see someone get up to a microphone and they have a bit of a belt and you go, Jesus Christ, can that kid sing? That, so there's that, and yeah. it's not even the singing. But what I do love about it is it is it is a format that can get people on stage and get noticed, and it does you know, trampoline them in, in, into people's land rooms. But not only that, as a, as a judge, we honestly, hand on heart, have no idea what's about to walk out on that stage. I'm sure people think that there's, there's you know, there's, there's, that we're kind of tipped off or whatever, but we honestly don't. We have the right to do whatever we want. We can send them through, not send them through, give them a golden buzzer. That's completely left up to us. It's quite genuinely real in that way. But what I also love about it is it doesn't matter what you're watching now on stage. If I was sitting there watching an act, it in no way informs me as to what the next act will be because it can be a magician. Then someone can come out and sing. Someone can come out with performing dogs. Someone can come out and 
set themselves on fire. It's, it's endless. You have no idea what you're going to see next. So from that point of view, sitting there as a judge, but the truth is kind of in order to be a judge, you've got to be an audience member as well, if you know what I mean. You've got to enjoy and watch the yeah. performance or enjoy or not enjoy it, and then you get to judge it. But the judging doesn't happen until the end. I get to sit there as as audience, as a viewer or, or enjoyer of their art and then get to kind of make some kind of call at the end of it. So it's a, it's a lot of fun to be a part of, and there is because you know, it's called Australia's Got Talent. People say, is that a question? I go, well, if it is a question, the answer to it is yes. We've got yeah. heaps of it. I think the only problem with the show, Shane, is that um, there's not enough really crappy acts on it. <laughs> I'm a long-time fan of uh, Potluck with Ernie Sigley, Ernie Sigley and um, who's our mate? Uh, Bernard King. Pete, the, um, Bernard King. Bernard King. Yeah, Bernard uh, King. Are tempted to drop a bit of a Bernard King on them? Do you remember Bernard King? I do indeed. Believe it or not, so Paul Hogan, uh, I think you know how he's a mate of mine. In fact, he, we just had him yeah. out in Australia doing doing a roast. Uh, we had the roast of Paul Hogan. It was it was watching people like Bernard King tear young kids apart that <laughs> made Paul, who at that point, as we know, he worked on the Sydney Harbour Bridge. People said he was yeah. a painter, but he was actually, he was actually a rigger. He was a rigger on the bridge. Um, he that it was watching that that made Paul want to go on that show. He, 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 he actually said to his mates, have you watched that show? He said, they, they, they tear those poor kids apart. These kids go up there, they sing their heart out, and these horrible men tear them in half. He said, I hate watching Christians get eaten by lions. He said, wouldn't it be great one day if one of the Christians just stood up and bit the nuts off the lion? <laughs> so that's actually why Hogue went on that show. He said, I'd love to go on there and I'd love to go on there and have a go at them. And one of the guys that worked on the bridge with him said, look, mate, if there's anyone that could do it, it's you, Hose. He said, but to be honest, he said, um, there's a bit of a waiting list. He said, I've got a niece who can sing. And, and he said, and I mean, she really can't sing. And she's on a three or four month waiting list to get on the show. He said, so the problem is whether you can or can't do something, it's waiting for her. So Paul went, you know what, I'm going to go on that show and I'm going to, I'm going to, Tear him one, I'm going to rip into him. Yeah. So what he did was he famously entered himself as the, as a tap dancing knife thrower, <laughs> of which he can do neither. <laughs> and he famously went on there and just he actually just stood up there and had a go at all of them. He just tore into them one by one. He didn't rehearse the act. They said you got to rehearse it. He said, "Oh no, I can't rehearse it. It's too dangerous." And Bert Newton, he credits Bert Newton. Yeah, and, and, he, and he said Bert Newton was the one that said, you know what, let this guy go. If he's going to do a bit of comedy, let him go. Don't Just let him on. So Bert Newton, he, he credits Bert Newton. Had Bert have said, no, 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 if he's not going to rehearse, he can't do it. But, of course, he didn't want to rehearse going out and having a go at them because they wouldn't have let it happen yeah. or they would have heard his gags. And he didn't want the crew to even hear his gags. He wanted everyone to hear it the first time, which turned out to be a, a stroke of genius. Um, so the first time they saw him do it was when they were filming it, when he when he had a go at all the judges. People at home thought it was fantastic because they were sick of seeing someone like Bernard King tear people people in half, particularly the kids. And um, the switchboard lit up at nine, and the rest is history. But when he went to walk off, they said, "Hang on, mate, what about your act?" And he said, "Oh yes, of course, the tap dancing knife thrower." <laughs> and he he stomped both of his feet once each, and he had a knife and he just threw it and he walked off. And they said, "Hang on, mate, you've got to stick around for your for." for our critique, and he said, oh, there's no need. I know I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, so, love him. If, so if when you're doing Australia's Got Talent, Paul Hogan suddenly gets up there as an act, <laughs> chances are you've been a bit too harsh on some of the young kids. <laughs> <laughs> Let's use him as the barometer, the litmus test of how good I've been to the youth of Australia. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Uh, your friendship with Hugs, you mentioned that he was out here just, it was only a couple of weeks back, you did a, uh, a roast at, uh, at Crown, which I think is going to be turned into a TV show, yes? That, that's, that's the rumour, um, and that's the rumour because it's a fact. <laughs> yeah, good. So yes, um, uh, but, yeah, so we're actually we're actually putting the show together now. And, and I, when I say now, I mean literally now. I've taken a pause to catch up with with you guys. But um, yeah, so it will. It'll be televised uh, very soon. Stay tuned for more details. But um, yeah, he came. He came out. He comes out a lot. To be honest, he um, he's, he's desperate to come back to Australia. A lot of people have a go at him and say, "Well, why doesn't he?" But his youngest son, Chance, lives in America, and and Paul's very much uh, an active father in his life, and they they. Still live together, so he—he, he, as Paul always says, he's been a father much longer than he was ever, ever a son because he's still—he's still a dad, you know. Um, and Chance is only in his in his twenties, so he he lives there with him. But he comes out to Australia a lot, 
Um, in fact, after we flew him out to do the roast, um, as you said, Kevin, it was at the Palms at the Crown in Melbourne, and then he flew back to Sydney and caught up with family again. Um, and then he's only just recently gone back, but he, he comes back. He comes back a lot, to be honest. He uh, and he does want to. He does definitely want to come back and, and spend the rest of his time here. But um, he's, he's got to make it work with his with his son first. That's um, that's pretty cool, being Paul Hogan's mate. Oh, mate, I, yeah. it's, um, you know, I, 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 I say it all the time, he, he is a mate, but I am, he's my mentor, and I'm forever his fan, like, I can't, I can't take that, you know, like, all of a sudden, I mean, God, Brian, you, you'd have so many stories where you've met people, we your heroes, and even when you started getting yeah. along with them, there is that part in the back of your brain that goes, but I'm still their fan, you know, I was, yeah. I was enjoying them before I knew them, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a strange one, but it's a yeah no, it's a that's a, a lovely friendship you've and that that started with the film, didn't it? Yeah, we did Charlie and Boots, and yeah. then um, I actually met him before that. I met him in America. I was I was doing some stuff um, over in the states, and uh, me and my brother um, Clayton went and had went and had lunch with him, and my uh, uh, manager at the time had done some work with him and some other friends, and and they uh, they said, and he I had no idea at that point that he, he watched the film Kenny, and it turned out he loved it, and. He was speaking to some some people that, that knew us and knew him, um, and they said, "Well, you know, do you want to catch up with them when they come out to Australia, uh, to come out to America?" And Paul said, "I'd like that." And he said, but "Before that, before I say yes, he said, are they all right or are they tossers?'" <laughs> and, they, <laughs> and, and they said, "No, no, they're all right." And he said, "Oh, well, that's good. If they're not, if they're not tossers, he said, then yeah, well, well, they catch up." And we caught up and had a, had a great time. And then after that, I got a phone call from a mate, Dean Murphy, who's a, who's a director, and said, "Look, I've." I've got something I want to offer you. I want to know if you'd want to do a movie um, with Paul Hogan. And I said, I'm assuming on the second call. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they ring Paul and go, you, you, you're not going to believe it. Shane Jacobson wants to do a movie with you. He wouldn't care, I would have thought. But, um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so they rang Paul and said, would you like to make a film with him? And he said, that'd be great. I think we'd have a great time. And, yeah, so, yeah, we did Charlie and, Charlie and Boots, and it went incredibly well. And we've just been mates ever since. And, and we, we still do. I, I produced a documentary on his life called Hanging with Hoags. Like yep. he's, 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 he's released a book now, but back then the truth was he said, I'm too lazy to write a book. And a lot of people, a lot of people have written books about him, but that's actually, you know, none of it's based on 100% truth because other people just had a crack. Yeah. So, yeah, I did a documentary on his life called Hanging with Hoags, which we did together, and, um, but he's now since written his own book, so... Yeah, and we've just we've just been mates ever since, and he's, you know, he's been a great. He was, he was him and him and Brian Brown gave me the best advice I ever got that I still, I still live by or work by, which is both of them said they worded it differently, but the information was the same, which is whatever you do in Australia, whatever got you to the to here to the point that you've got a recognisable head, don't change anything you do. Don't try and be famous or figure out what you're supposed to do. Don't try and be anything else. Whatever got you here, just do that. Just be you, but don't try and act like you're a celebrity or anything else. He said because Australians can smell it like a dirty rat. You know, he's like, they can spot them all the way. So they both just said, you know, because I remember once I went to an airport and I put on some dark sunglasses right at the start of me being kind of a recognisable head. Yeah. And a mate from school said, what are you doing? <laughs> I, I can't do cool. I'm not, I'm not like Brian. I'm not a rock star. I can't do it. I can't pull it off. So uh, it's like putting sunnies on a dog. But this looks weird. <laughs> Aren't your mates from school always good to keep your feet on the ground? Um, oh. mate, lucky Phil, I, I've never done anything that's any good, according to him. It's all rubbish <laughs> and everybody else. You know, kids in the kitchen are much better band than yours. Everything, everything I've done is rubbish. And, and I love that, that my friends just couldn't give a shit about anything that I've done and want to hang shit on whatever I do do. It's great. Yeah, yeah, you can tell him kids in the kitchen may have been good, but you're the grown up in the lounge room, which is far more, far more fun. <laughs> Sometimes he's yeah, the grown up in the, the lounge room. Are you doing cruises? <laughs> I saw, saw an ad in the paper where you're doing a cruise as well. Yeah, doing vodka cruises. Yeah. No, no, no I um, no. Yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> There you go. I've just got your sponsor for your program. Um, <laughs> As long as you get them through IGA liquor, we'll let that through. Yeah, Absolutely. look, I've, I've never, I've never, I've never done a cruise, and by that I mean I've never even been on. As in, oh, right. I've never, I've never done it. Not, not that I don't want to. I've just never done them, and then so I think I've been offered before, but couldn't make it work, and then got offered recently to to do it. Actually, it was during COVID, so it's been postponed once or twice. But um, yeah, they said do you want to do it, and I'm actually taking the family. I'm, I'm taking the wife yeah, and the lovely. kids because. So, yeah, so I am going to work on it, but I've only just recently said, well, do you want to come on the cruise with me so we can all 
be at work together. So I'm looking forward to it because number one, it'll be great fun, and um, from the reports, and you know, Brian's probably done a million of them, but. Um, but the thing, the report I get is that everyone on board the boat is just, they're on holidays and they're there to have a great time. So it's kind of like the happiest pub just happens to be a floating pub, you know. Yeah. So I'm told it's great and the rooms are vibrant, so as in the, the rooms we get to work in. So, yeah, so I'm going to, it'll be a working holiday. Can't wait. You will do a lot of photos, a lot of selfies, <laughs> but my advice would be just say yes to every one of them, get it over within the first two days and then everybody leaves you alone. It's good. I should actually knock on every door and say, let's just get this over and done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> just go from room to room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just here to get your selfie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. G'day, my name's Shane. I'm just here for the selfie. Off we go. Yeah, that'll, no, that'll yeah. work. That'll work. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm just here to turn down your bed and get a selfie, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you do, you do charity work. You, I mean, you, you mentioned you're a father of four, your husband. Do, do, I don't know how you fit it all in, but you do. It's a juggle. There's no doubt about it. And um, you know, COVID, COVID uh, sort of stopped me flying. You know, before COVID, I was doing on average sort of 200, bit more than 200 flights a year, and it was um, it was crazy. It was you know, I'm lucky to have the work, and I do say no to a lot, you know, because I can't make it all happen at once. But um, yeah, it did give me a chance to spend more time at home, and I, and I did love it. And um, so, but it is, it's a juggle. And and my wife, you know, my wife. A lawyer, she's got a law practice, and we've got quite a few businesses together. So it is, it is a juggle. But I think we get it almost right. I'll never know if I've got it perfect until the end. But um, mm. when I get to, you know, look at myself in the mirror when I get older. But I, I, hopefully, I'm doing it, doing it right, and um, you know, spending as much time as I need to in every asset, but in, in every aspect. But uh, there's no doubt about it. Over the next few years, I hope to sort of come off the throttle a little bit, and I'm going to block out a bit more time to do stuff because the kids are getting older, you know. So. And I, the only thing I know is that everyone older, older than me, any bit of advice they've given about life, they've usually all been right all of the time. So I have to heed that warning that the kids grow up so fast. So I, I don't want to regret that. I've never, I've never heard anyone um, in their last days or their final moments say, oh, I wish I worked more and spent less time with my family. So based on that, I'm going to try and you know, we'll keep, it, keep adjusting the volume, if you will. Yeah, no, it's a, that's terrific. Look, we we really appreciate you spending some time. With this I I I, I got to ask the question because everyone everyone would ask you this: Are you going to do Kenny again, or is Kenny finished? So they, you know, they always say never say never. We did a TV series called well, it was Kenny's World, where we yeah. travelled the world. So there was a TV series which we felt was kind of the follow up to the movie. And, and don't get me wrong, we've been asked a lot about about. You know, and you can imagine the jokes people make, Kenny number twos. Um, but uh, and, and another guy called uh, guy Ben in Sydney, during Sydney Festival, Arts Festival, did a one-man show, and it wasn't me. It was, you know, it was him on the poster, and you know, he, we sold him the rights to do it. And it was attended enormously. So oh, wow. Like, uh, like half a million dollars of tickets to go and watch a guy, not me, do Kenny on stage on his own. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, so... So, look, there's been – all I'll say is I, I do agree you should never say never because life's a long time, ain't it? Well, we hope it is. <laughs> um, and, yeah. you know, this, this conversation is constantly being had. So who knows what form, but, um, you know, it's, it's, I haven't said – I've not said this in the past, but I will say there's conversations that keep being had. So I guess I say just, you know, watch this space. Yep. Yep. Hey, mate, thanks so much Fair for enough. your time. We we, uh, we really appreciate it. We love your work. Uh, you're a good bloke yeah. and uh, and always always uh, give us our time. So uh, we, we, we appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, absolute pleasure. And, uh, and love you both. Have uh, have spent my life being fans of both of yours. Kev, we go way back. And Brian, I've been I used to have pretty much all my friends had a crush on Brian. And I just wanted to come on the show <laughs> so that I could say to them, he's my mate, no, 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 no. And, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Actually, the last time, I, I, I've not seen you for a while. Last time I saw you, we were doing a gig. I can't yeah. remember, up north somewhere. Yeah, I can't remember where it was, but I, yeah. I haven't seen you since we, since we got off that flight from that gig somewhere. On, on, somewhere. We were there for two or three days doing doing gigs. I, well, yeah. I was doing the MC, and yeah, that was the last time I saw you. So we're well, overdue you, for a beer, mate. You got up and sang, you got up and sang with us and uh, did a splendid job, too, I might add. Very good. Well, was, yeah. well, thanks, mate. Yeah, well, as you know, it was time for them to clear the table, so I got up and sang to clear the room. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a rock star inside you, Jacobson, no doubt about that. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, well, he should stay inside. Well, no, no. When, when, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, well, I, I've got I've got to get him out so I can get on stage and sing for hairspray. So I've got to let him loose now. Yep, Edna, yeah. Edna, Edna oh. will rock. Edna will rock. <laughs> yeah, print that on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good on you, mate. Thanks for your time. Yeah. We really appreciate it. And uh, take look after yourself and the family. We'll do. Thanks, yeah, boys. Cheers. Stay well. There ain't nothing like a spread to get you in the mood Wilbur, can't you feel the burning flame of heart desire? You're gonna need more than some salsa to put that this fire I'm willing look out for Baltimore I'm selling something you can't purchase at a ten cent store Oh, Wilbur, I feel like a princess Come on and take me to the ball I bet you're tired of heavy lifting Get your hands on something small Because I'm a big, long, and beautiful It's time to face the fast and beautiful Well, wait one more minute Now I feel brand spanking new Hey, Wilbur, take a look, it's all for Big, blonde, and beautiful—one of the great songs from uh, from Hairspray, which Shane is starring in and uh, getting ready for—is playing Edna. So we, we look forward to that, and look forward to Australia's Got Talent, and maybe even, as he said, maybe even Kenny again. Who knows? Well, I thought Big, Blonde, and Beautiful was just about me, but anyway, <laughs> so I was obviously missed that, got that wrong. But uh, anyway, well, it can be—it can be about you if you want it to be about you, Brian. Well, I'm walking around in my jocks. Of course, I'm big, blonde, and beautiful. Crikey! Right. It's the plat. It's the platinum jubilee celebrations in his underpants. So stand by for that. That's <laughs> so, something to look forward to. Uh, what is to look forward to is our next guest. Um, now, uh, track this lady down because um, not only is she the wife of Noddy Holder, but she's uh, this book of hers, Shake It Up Beverly, is a terrific idea for a book. She's got a, a second one already written. So I'm going to have a talk to Susan Holder uh, as uh, not not the wife of Noddy, but as an author in her own right, Brian. Well, if you're going to be an author, uh, Kev, you have to be in your own right. Oh, very you good. You know what I mean? Oh, very Still good. doing that? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Hey, you can tell I just woke up. Uh, he's done a couple of books, this boy. You can see he's he's, he's up and about. He is in this author business. Uh, so uh, let's talk to our, our guest uh, in the UK, Susan Holder. All right. Can you hear me okay? Yes, absolutely. Like as if you're in the, in the next room. Um I've come into the conservatory and it's so hot in here that I might as well be in Australia. <laughs> oh, welcome to the heat. I may have to start to strip during the... <laughs> wow. Pity it's only... <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> Some people will do anything to sell books, really. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes I've not tried it yet. Who knows? <laughs> uh, well, congratulations on the book. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I guess that we should sort of now say books because I know you've got the second one done. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. And, I, yeah, it's all done. I haven't seen the cover design yet, but it's all edited and done and, and ready to go. Um, and that should be – I haven't got a date for it, but they're telling me later in late summer because it's got an Elvis connection and there's a big Elvis movie coming out, which, of course, was made in Australia. Yeah. The Baz Luhrmann Elvis biopic, which just coincidentally – I mean – Baz and I are not that close. I didn't. I didn't liaise with Baz, but um, but helpfully, he's bringing out a movie that's got an Elvis connection. Before, and my next book has an Elvis connection. So, well, I think Baz Luhrmann will be hard pushed to beat the Kurt Russell Elvis the movie from the seventies. I you don't think? know if you got. Well, I thought that was great. I thought Kurt Russell did a really great job in that. Um, it's, it's the one movie that, about Elvis that has stood the test of time and been good. I agree with you, but um, but I think it was time to revisit. And I mean, it's, the story is so brilliant. Elvis's story is so. There's no no other story like it. That I think it's time. Whether it can be done justice to, I don't know. Well, look, I'm sorry, we're getting me off topic. But um, but have you read a lot of Nash's book? And she talks to all the bodyguards and it's a bit like the movie Downfall about Hitler in this man with great power just losing everything 
and he's taking 120 pills a day and he's shooting up dilaudid and it's really, really kind of sad. And I went to Graceland and I thought it was really, really kind of tacky um, in that, you know, I think an invoice from the guy that fixed his fence is perhaps not worth being in a frame. Um, I agree. I don't, I don't agree. I've been to Graceland a couple of times and, I mean, it is what it is. I'd live there. I think it's great. I think it's really cool. I mean, I'm not showing you around my house now. You've said that. But I think, um, <laughs> I, I think Grayson's fantastic. And I do think they have got lots of detail. But at the same time, you can. I, I think the atmosphere there, I don't think there's anywhere else like, I can't think of anywhere else that you can visit that is a home of what, like all the buildings you visit that are historical important, wherever you go in the world, whether it's something like the White House or even Buckingham Palace, a series of people have lived there, historical figures. Graceland is just about Elvis. It's somebody's home. And it actually feels like a home still, even though thousands and millions of people have, tra have, have tramped through it. And that is what my next book kind of talks about a lot. It's set at Graceland and they kind of go behind the velvet rope a bit. So that's kind of what I, I do. I, I have a passion for Graceland and for Elvis, obviously. So. Well, this is what's really exciting to, for me about your books is I'm such a Beatle fan and I'm such an Elvis fan. Yeah, and cool. um, it just sounds fantastic. What I wanted to do with both of the books was write a book that gave you the same feeling um, as when you go and watch a great rom-com movie that's got a killer soundtrack. So yep. that point always, that music to me takes you to a certain place, touches your emotions in, in ways and, give, you know, gives you feelings that like nothing else can. And that's hard to get in a book, but I wanted to try. So I wanted to write a book that wove its way naturally around. I mean, as you say, Shaking Up Beverly is set in Liverpool. It's about a woman who's shaking her life up. Um, the, the, the title is obviously a, a twist on the lyric from Twist and Shout, a Beatles song. She's a massive Beatles fan. So all of the Beatles story and information and all the people and places in Liverpool that are connected with them wove its way, I hope, naturally through the story. And then the next book I've done similarly with Graceland and Elvis. But what I wanted to do was, even though you can't put the music in the pages, was people know that music so well, that you kind of hear it in your head and you have that feeling. That that was what I was trying to do. So hopefully I've achieved that. No, you, you certainly have. Susan, the, and, and the place came before the, the kind of construction of the story, didn't it? It did. It did, actually. And I, it's, it's, I mean, I've always been a writer. I was a journalist for years. I worked in TV production. I've, I've, script, I've written scripts. I've written scripts for, uh, for plays and, and, and children's theatres and pantomimes. I've done, yeah, I've done all those sort of things. But um, I always, what you, as a, if you are a writer in any way, I think you always kind of hanker to write a book. But it's a lot of words. And you have to really kind of sit yourself down and make yourself do it, really, because... As a journalist, I like a quick deadline. I like, you know, you've got 20 minutes and do it. That suits me. But 90,000 words is a long deadline and, and it's you have to commit to it. And when I saw other people talking about books they've written, oh, yes, the, the character comes first or I got inspired by this. See, I don't know. I don't know how, how I'm ever going to find my way into a story that I want to spend that much time with. And then it just happened that my son was at university in Liverpool actually at a place called the Liverpool Institute of Performing Arts. He was studying sound technology. Um, and that the, the patron there and the, the head of the, the um, institution is actually Paul McCartney, coincidentally. And I was going to Liverpool a lot. And the play, I'd been there before, but I was going a lot and we were hanging out in different places. And I was going to watch him play guitar in places where he was he was gigging and stuff. Django, not Paul McCartney. And, um, <laughs> and I just kind of got, Liverpool just kind of got under my skin the people are obviously naturally very funny. The Beatles and music is everywhere. I had lots of friends telling me about their sort of midlife dating crises. I've had some in my past. I had terrible kind of dates before I met my husband where men were just insane, just crazy people that I didn't go out with for very long, but I had, I bore the scars. Um, but now I'm far enough away from it, I can see the funny side. And it all just kind of came together and, and came out as the book. Well, that's what's going to make it work really well is because people, when you, you know, when you write a song or you write something and people go, 
yeah, that's exactly how I felt. And I anybody else felt like that. And, um, you know, I've been reading all the reviews of, of uh, Shake It Up Beverly and it sounds like you just hit the nail right on the head. But also the Beatle information that you've got in there seems to be really impressing people as well. So... So well, you if you're a Beatles nut and you think so, I, I'm really, really pleased with that because the one thing you can't do with, thing, with something as huge as the Beatles or, of course, Elvis Presley is, is you can't get it wrong because people are not going to forgive that. So I was very, very careful and, um, uh, yeah, did a lot of research on top of what I already knew. There's a lot of information. Out there. I'm close enough. I live in Cheshire, which is not just outside Manchester, which is not that far from Liverpool, so I could go over. And I, I mean, some of the people who were helpful to me included people like Rogue Best, who is Pete Best's brother, Pete Best, who was an original Beatle. His, his, Rogue is also his mum was Mona Best who was the first manager of the Beatles, and his dad is Neil Aspinall, who was a road manager for the Beatles for years. Yeah. So, again, he was somebody who was very helpful. And I, you know, I fact-checked a lot of things, got a lot of kind of colour and information, particularly about the Casbah, which was the original place the Beatles started. Everyone thought thinks it's the cavern, but, of course, pre the cavern, three of the Beatles originally started at, it's, at the cavern. It's Pete Shotton's base. Um, oh, who's the dumb? It's Pete Shotton. No, um... Pete Best. It's his basement, isn't it? It is. It is. It's a basement of a a house. And Rogue is currently doing that place up as a a small hotel because it's a massive place and they've kept the house. The the, the Cavern Basement Club is, is exactly as it was, you know, 50 years ago. It's amazing. They've not touched it. So everything is still there. The paintings that the Beatles did on the walls, the way they all did it up. So there's things, you know, stars that John Lennon did on the ceiling and a, a rainbow that Paul McCartney painted and an orange ceiling that um, that George Harrison had a go at. There's all sorts of things there. But the, but the place above is, is a place that they're doing up as a, as a small hotel, each with six rooms, each for each of the Beatles, including Pete Best and Stu Sutcliffe. And I said, if you're coming over to Liverpool, it'd be a great place to stay. Yeah. It's a great, a great place, a great destination for Beatles fans, I think. Yeah. Been asked on a number of uh, things that I've seen, uh, how much of you was in Beverly and your relationship with, <laughs> with Beverly. Uh, you mentioned that you've used some of your own stories from, from your yeah, dating, well, from the yeah. pre-Noddy dating days. Correct, from pre-Noddy Holder, yes. We're not, going to, we're not going to land him with the reputation that he was any of those <laughs> terrible dates. He was not. Um, um, but um, yeah so so I'm not Beverly Um, I don't think I am Beverly I think um, Beverly feels that she's in a rut and needs to shake her life up I don't think even though I am shaking my life up with this book I don't think I felt I was in a rut Um, I'm I'm not from Liverpool I don't um, some of the she talks a lot that's me I mean I, I will I'll own up I'll own up to that. Okay. She's quite a talker. Um, but, yeah, obviously, the, the, you know, the best the best kind of comedy and, and the, the best way you can write, they always say write what you know. And so, um, yeah, some of the kind of concerns that she has with the dating and some of the crazy blokes she meets definitely were people that way, way back in my past, not recently, but way back, yeah, I can definitely own up to a few of them being my own experiences. This was going to be a play before COVID came and interrupted. It was a play. Well, can you tell me about that? Yeah, so it was a play. So I wrote it originally as a play. It's weird. I wrote it as a play because I wasn't quite ready to write the book I wanted to write, which is my next book, um, Rock and Rose, the book set at Grayson, because I, I was due to go, go we, were, we were going on a trip, not and I went on a trip to Memphis, Nashville, New Orleans, and I wanted to wait until I revisited Memphis before I carried on with the writing of a book. So I kind of wrote a play to keep my feet, my fingers were itching to write something. I had this idea of a story set in Liverpool about a, a woman who wants to shake her life up and tries internet dating and collects Beatles memorabilia. I had all these ideas. So because I like a because I like a quick deadline, I wrote it as a play and put it on locally and it got interest. And then I got a, had a, a West End theatre producer come on board, a BAFTA award-winning director came on board. We were all oh. to tour it 
um, do a UK theatre tour. Um, we had performed it a few times, just kind of trying it out. It was de in development. I was kind of extending. I was seeing what people liked. People liked the sequences of bad dates. So uh -huh. I put more of that in. That made people laugh a lot. So, so I got great reaction, had a UK theatre tour in the offing, and then, well, you know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> Covid happened. And that was the end of that. <laughs> so I took the story and rewrote it as a book. You've got plans to, to rejig the uh, the play and take the play yeah, back out again? At the moment, I'm just concentrating on what I'm doing now because to, to land a book deal is beyond my wildest dreams. And th the theatre, I mean, I've worked in newspapers, television, a bit of theatre now, and, now and, and this is the hardest thing I've ever done. To try and get someone to publish your book is really really hard um so i'm so thrilled that i want to do this properly but yeah i'm still in conversation with the director the producer we're looking to see you know how do the book does everything that was in the play is in the book but the book has more backstory it goes on further at the end um and there's more characters but i don't think i'd change the play to fit the book i think if people wanted the, to see the play they could then say well, you know you, you come out of things often don't you, you know, oh, i wonder what happened next well, the book would tell you. So that would be great. So actually, I think it would work well in tandem. But um, but yeah, we'll see. I'm not rushing into that at the moment because actually the theatre world is still quite precarious. People are still not quite back to buying tickets and going to see things the way they were. So I'm not rushing that. But it's, it is there to be done, definitely. That sounds great. Yeah, that's the sort of theatre show I'd go and see. Um, right. It's got Beatles... It's a romantic comedy, so I can, you know, bring my girl along. I can enjoy the Beatle part, even if it's too much romance for me. But um, as long as the romance is failing most of the time, it's going to be funny. So they're going to be great. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I, I don't think, it, I, I think, I think men enjoy rom coms more than a lot of them admit. And um, and because I'm, I'm actually getting a lot of great feedback, because as you say, I mean, I'm, I'm married to Noddy Holder. He, you know, from who was the lead singer and guitarist in Slade. I learned to play guitar playing Take Me Back Home and Goodbye to Jane and all of those songs. I'm a Brilliant. huge fan, but Brilliant. you know, um, but you know, I'm more interested in your book tonight. Oh, thank you very much. But I was just going to say that a lot of Slade fans have always taken an interest in what I've done. So there's a lot of Harper Collins actually said to me at one point, it, you get quite a lot of interaction on your social media from, from men, um, which is quite unusual, we find, for a, for a rom-com writer. So I was like, yes, there's probably quite a lot of Slade fans who've kind of come to have a look at what I'm doing and have taken interest in the book. But I've got to say, their reaction has been, I'm so thrilled because they love it. And I've not had one man say, "Oh no, it's too, it's too, you know, soppy or whatever." I, th I think I haven't, I haven't written that kind of book. I think they like it. I think the music does hold their interest. And and you know, comedy's comedy. If something's funny, I think men and women find it funny. Well, if you've been with Noddy for thirty-three years. Yeah, th yeah, 32, 33 years. Yes. Yeah, well, if you've been with Noddy for 33 years, you've been making him laugh and making him smile for that amount of time. To put it into into a book, uh, you've, you've won it already. You won us all already. Easy. No, well, that's... that's a weird, that, that is one thing where, where he does it. He does it so when I say that, you know... <laughs> Obviously, you know, he, he'd seen people before, you know, that there were people around he could have been with. I said, why me? You, know, you made me laugh, is what he always says. There <laughs> you do, go. Do you take as a badge of honour. <laughs> yeah, is it true that uh, that your first acquaintance with, with Noddy was asking for an autograph for your dad? Well, it was, yeah, that makes it sound like I was some sort of, you know, no. What it was, was I was working on a TV show and he was a guest and we were doing, it was a late night discussion show and it was... Is it called Loose w Women? No, no, Loose Women came later. Loose Women was a show that I was executive producer of much later in my career. Actually, I'd had Django by then. So um, so I'd had my, we were, we were together, I had my son. This was the first time, this is my, one of my first jobs. It was my first job in television, actually. And I, it was a late night discussion show and Nod was a guest on the show. But so was a few of the musicians, including Joe Brown, Roy Wood from Wizard, Susie and the Banshees. There were loads of people. And I'd not been in television very long, and there are all these people in a room. And I asked all of them to sign a piece of paper because my dad is a big music fan. And I thought he would like to see who I was kind of like, you know, meeting. And it was just, it was quite innocent in that way. I wasn't, 
But yeah, so he but he does love to kind of throw that at me that <laughs> I asked for an order from my dad. Um, he also loves to throw at me that one of the other people in the room was um, uh, was Roy Wood from Wizard, who was huge in the 70s and was the first record I ever bought. I mean, I think I was sixth in my defence, was, was one of his records and not a Slade. But I mean, what can I do? I was sixth. How was I to know that the man, the, the man on top of the pops would one day I would marry? I mean, you don't when you're six, you don't think about things like that. You made the right choice, uh, Suzanne, yes. because it could, it could have been Gary Glitter because he was big at the same time. Let's not go there. Let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, we're both massive Slade fans, and uh, and and obviously now very big fans of yours as well because of uh, this. Now, uh, you you mentioned uh, I'll quote you back to yourself. You said, "Write what you know." So the first book is is you know, shake it up, Beverly. Is is got the Beatles theme and and that and the and the dating experiences. The second book, obviously, Ruck and Rose, is is Graceland and inspired by yeah. your trip to Graceland. So the third book. Yep. Logic tells me the third book has got to be the the bleeding mm-hmm. obvious, hasn't it? Well, but is that too obvious? Is my question back to you. I've got to it's be very careful. I mean, I, I, well, who's the third one? I can't pick. Is it Elvis? There's the Beatles. Oh, Stones, I guess. Would that be the obvious? <laughs> I, I don't I think know. Blake. Thinking a bit closer to home. Is that what you were thinking? Yeah, correct. Yeah, I, correct. I got, I got what you meant. Yeah, thanks. I got what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's under consideration. However, um, I feel I might have to watch my step there because I don't want him leaning over my shoulder. Going, oh, you can't say that. Oh, you can't say this. So, I, I, you know, you've got, you've got to be careful when you write. That One thing I've found is when you write any book now, I, I realise people worry if they are in the book and people worry if they're not in the book. So... <laughs> which is not something as a writer, and you don't really want that in your head as you're writing. You need to be free to write what you want. But at the same time, I've had people say to me, oh, is that me? No, no, it's not you. And other people go, oh, why am I not in your book? So you, I don't know which way people want you to go, but it's, it's a minefield, let me tell you. So to live with somebody who you are trying to put in your book, don't know, makes me a bit nervous. Though. Yeah. Makes me a bit nervous. I worry that people would think, well... She's going a bit obvious there. Can't she think of anything out? I don't know. I don't want to be accused of using that. Do you know what I mean? So, don't know. But I do think he's inspirational in many ways. He features in my books in ways that you can't possibly imagine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure. I think you you should call that book Find Yourself a Rainbow. Find Yourself a Rainbow. Funnily enough, I was on the radio um, uh, the other week and they asked me to choose some songs. And just out of, I chose Find Yourself a Rainbow, actually. I think it's very good for these times. Then the lift, people don't know Find Yourself a Rainbow. Have a listen. It's not your obvious Slade track, is it? Oh, uh, that every day and not. And Find Yourself a Rainbow sounds like when you had those piano scrolls that you could pedal and it would play it's April a very musical kind of, yeah, it is. But you see, that's interesting to me. You're saying, oh, don't make it too slushy. Oh, no, too much. And the two slate tracks you've picked are every day. Ow. yourself a rainbow. That tells me you, you're you quite a mush underneath there, then, aren't you? You are 100% right. But <laughs> I still like, I still like uh, when the lights are out. Oh, that's a Beatles, Beatles sort of one, isn't it, when the yeah, lights are out? No, the early stuff, get down and get with it. Can you beat that? You can't. It's it's just fantastic. But um, enough about that. Can you see Shake It Up Beverly being a movie? Is there any interest? Yeah. Well, it sounds like it'd be great. Yeah, I have to say um, I have been told because I worked in television and I was used to scripting before I, you know, I scripted for years. And so dialogue is something that I kind of quite enjoy doing. That's kind of my favourite bit of the writing is the dialogue. Um, I And I've been told, it's not really for me to say, but I've been told that I write quite filmically. So I think I do write scenes. Um, and, I, I th- yeah, I can visualise it. And so I hope to get that down on the page so that other people can visualise it. Yeah, no, I definitely think it would work brilliantly. Um, but, you know, that's not really my call. So. Yeah. Are you enjoying all the things that go with being a published author and and doing the the television and the interviews and all those things? Are you enjoying that? 
I am enjoying it, not as I finally found my calling now that I can get on the radio and things because I don't stop talking. So, I mean, again, again that's kind of suiting me fine. Um, I've always not liked looking at myself in pictures or having my photo taken or that kind of thing. But so I think in a way it was, I'm lucky that it's happened now and it didn't happen like 20 years ago in some ways. I think it would have freaked me out more. Whereas now I'm a bit older and wiser and I just think, get over yourself. You know, <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm quite glad it's happening. And I'm also very, very lucky that people are being so lovely. And um, yeah, I, I've had, like you say, I, I can't believe the, the reaction I've had in reviews and messages I've got. I'm, I've got a, um, a Facebook author page on Facebook, Susan Holder Author. People message me on that and talk to me about what they think about the book. And it is, it's been really positive. Well, that, you know, I, again, when you're sitting alone and writing, you don't know anyone's ever going to read it. And you don't really think whether anyone's ever going to talk to you about what they've read. It's not something you imagine. So, so that's been amazing. So when you write, do you write to please yourself? Yes. Or do you think audience? But no, I don't care what the audience says. This is what I think is funny. This is what I think is good. And everybody can get into my head. Is that is that well, kind of the attitude? It, it, it kind of, I don't I do care what people think, but you can't mm. second guess that. And I do think I do write for myself. I write the books I would like to read. That is definitely yeah. where I was coming from when I wrote them. The one thing that I will say is when I was in I was in my office a couple of times writing away and I always read I read back constantly what I'm writing. So and when I start, I would read back everything I'd done the day before so you know, get into the flow before you write again. And sometimes it would make me chuckle what I'd written. I would sit there kind of chuckling to myself. And my husband did come past my door a couple of times and say, yeah, you know, other people have to find it funny before it's really funny, you know, which, which, which I was aware of. But I, my answer to that is, well, if I don't make myself laugh in the first place, what hope have I got of somebody else thinking it's funny? I, if it, I, have, to make, I have to think it's funny to, 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 to finish that, that kind of joke or that punch. I have to kind of do it my own way. And if I don't mm. think it's funny, nobody's going to. So although I take his point that other people have to find it funny, I, it's just, just sitting in my office chuckling to myself isn't enough, then that was the starting point. And luckily for me, because um, also he's very bad at me going, oh, let me read, this is really hilarious, let me read you this. He's like, no, 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 I want to read the whole book. Don't just read bits to me. So he doesn't like me doing that. But I quite, so I use my son for that. He's a great audience and he knows me and he knows my kind of humour. So I can try things out on him. But Nod likes to wait until the, he wanted to wait until the book was finished, which was quite frustrating for me. So when he, when he got I the was, final, when he got the whole book and, and read the whole book, what was, what was his reaction? What no. was your son's reaction? Well, my, my son loved, yeah, they both, they, they, they did love it. But of course they had seen the play. So they knew a lot of it. But yeah, no, they, they did love it. And there were bits that I did, yeah, he did laugh out loud too. Um, so, but again, he does know some of my stories. As well. It's difficult when you've been together 32 years to hear a story that you haven't heard before. <laughs> but sometimes Nod still does surprise me. I'm going, he'll tell me something. And I'm like, how did I not, how have you never told me that before? So there are, so yeah, he, still, he does still manage to do that, actually. So. When you're not writing, you're getting a bit lazy. Does not he walk past and go, come on, get down, get with it. <laughs> <laughs> no, he hasn't tried that tactic yet, but um, but he does say he'd, he'd like to be kept in the style to which he's accustomed. But I have I have explained to him that he does have a huge head start on me and he's got to give me time because, you know, I'm, o I'm only a debut author just starting out and I'm not, you know, I'm not raking it in or anything like that yet. So he's got to give me a bit of time. I don't, I'm not sure I'll ever catch up, but I will try my best. Well, all I've done is I've tried to write a book that I think people will find funny, will find uplifting, will find heartwarming. It doesn't mention COVID. It doesn't mention international wars. It's just something that you could go to to kind of give you a kind of nice time and a nice day, which I think everybody needs at the moment. Yes. Thank you very much for doing that. It's no trouble. <laughs> and and keep, like and keep that up. COVID experiences. I guess not, because nobody <laughs> wants to hear about that. I'm good at wasting time. No, Susan, uh, congratulations on, on this one. We look forward to the next one. Now, the obvious question is, uh, so if, if you're choosing between the Beatles and, and Elvis, who's, who's your first choice? Who's, 
Who wins? Well, I, I, will be, I will be completely honest. Um, Elvis was always my first love. As I said, that was the first story I wanted oh. to write. Elvis, I've always loved Elvis Presley ever since I was young. Um, and it, yeah, for me, Beverly in the book is Paul McCartney is her ultimate man. And for me, it is Elvis. However, um, I love the Beatles. I mean, who doesn't? I think yeah. people who say, that, oh, I don't like the Beatles. Well, there's something wrong with them. Um, but I actually have met Paul McCartney. So, whoa. So that's a bit of an incredible experience. And actually, I because I've met him a couple of times, um, found him utterly charming and lovely, by the way, um, I emailed him when the book, when I got the book deal and I realised... I don't know. I'm sure he doesn't. He, 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 you know, he's got bigger things to worry about. But just in case I ever bump into him again, I wanted him to know that I'd put him in this book and that Beverly's the ideal man was Paul McCartney. I just, for my own peace of mind, I sent him an email. Didn't expect to hear anything back. The very next day, I got a lovely email saying, "All sounds fab. Good luck with it all. Well done." Um, and then he put, "Although how Paul McCartney can be anyone's ideal man is a bit of a stretch." which is so lovely of him because he must know how much he is loved. But um, what a great man. What a great man. And I, to say that I've you know, met Paul McCartney, I do, find, I do feel very honoured by that. Oh, yes. Incredi- yeah, incredibly envious. <clears throat> well, God damn it. My well, God I wanted to marry Noddy Holder too, but that didn't happen either. So, you know, uh, you've, well, you've, yeah, no, you go. Well, I'll fight you. I'll fight you. <laughs> you've got me, on, you got me on two <laughs> things there, so that's not good. Elvis in the Beatles with Noddy singing as well. That's the perfect band. Oh, my, that, that is, that's, yeah, that's a, that's a super band, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, it is. Although, yeah, who, who would you let near the mic first, Elvis or, or Nod? I don't know. They're, they're very different. Yeah, John Lennon. Oh, oh, I think I, that's an I embarrassment. Start off, we'd start off with Paul McCartney. You said you'd all be kind of, you know, hello, it's a beautiful day, all right, all governor. And then Elvis coming, it's a better day, man, than you ever expected. And then not even come in and just kick it out of the ballpark. It's a great day. Yeah, it'd be great. I'm an idiot. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> See what I deal with, Susan. Uh, thank you so much for for spending some time and talking to us. We really appreciate that. You have obviously you will have a legion of fans in this country for this book, um, and I'm sure they will. They well, will... it is available. It is available to you now as a, as an ebook. It's yes. Available as an audio book. Um, I think you can order it in paperback. Did you order a paperback already? Have you ordered the paperback, or did you get it as an ebook? No, I got the ebook because the paperback. You there's no the there's no stock whatsoever in the country at the moment. Okay, I think they're te- they're telling me September for yes. the paperback yes. in Australia. That's what they're telling me. But the ebook is there, yes. and the audio book is also available. Not read by me, read by a proper actress who does the Liverpoolian accent correctly. Um, Blue Thank, thank you so much for talking to us. We really appreciate it. Um, a good, uh, good health and good luck to you, and uh, and we look forward to the Elvis book. We'll, we'll hopefully have a chat to you then. That'd be great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take Thanks, care. Thanks, Susan. You too. Susan, you've been fantastic. Great. I can't wait to read it. It sounds great. Thank you. Thank you very much.
There you go. That's a little uh, Slade song that you selected and you brought up with uh, with Susan, Find Yourself a Rainbow. I mean, I, I didn't know that song very well at all. Uh, it's on their old new Bowen and Blue album and it just sort of stands out from the rest because it's so different to everything they do. It sounds like, um, you know, when you have those pianos with the paper in it, yep. you pedal and it, and it plays, you know, um, April showers or whatever. Yeah, it sounds like one of them and I just thought, wow, that's a really unique idea for a song and um, I've always had a very fond spot for that song. I've always had a very fond spot for almost everything Slade did. One of the things about Slade that, uh, and, and one day we'll get Noddy on, I'd love to get Noddy on, we've had Dave Hill on of course, but I'd love to get Noddy on. They were an, a very unpredictable band. They weren't just, uh, you know, get in the pub, have 25 beers, scream a lot and uh, and play loud. They actually had some really interesting things going on that band. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, like some of their songs sound very quite beatly. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, When the Lights Are Out is a very beatly sort of sounding song and Far, Far Away is just really melodic, almost Celtic. Um, and then, of course, you got, you know, you Goodbye to James, Come On, Feel the Noise. Yeah. Um, Darling, be home soon. Every day, wow! I could go on and on and on and on and on. Darling, and be on home soon. Is that the one Dave Hill told us that Noddy burps in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on uh, Slate Alive. Yeah, it's, yeah. The, the John um, Sebastian. The yeah, and I remember when it came out, everybody raved about the burps. Like, I need burps on the song. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I was only about 10 when it came out, so, you know, somebody burping on a record to me was just, oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> um, I, don't know if it, I don't know if it had a big impact today. To these days, you'd have to fart in the middle of the song, I think, to get the same kind of reaction. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not, not that I'm suggesting anybody should try that. No, me neither. Uh, that uh, brings uh, to a close uh, this episode of uh, Life of Brian. Hope you've enjoyed it. Our thanks to Shane Jacobson and to, uh, and to Susan Holder. Check out uh, Susan's book as... She said it won't be available in paperback until probably around September of this year, but the ebook is available now. And you'll see Shane soon on Australia's Got Talent and, of course, buy tickets to see him in Hairspray as Edna. Uh, thanks to Murcotts, one 576 Don't wait. Don't don't put it off. Do it now. Like, seriously. Get, get off your ass and ring them up now <laughs> because otherwise, you know, it could be too late. Yep. one three hundred five 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 seven six. Really, that simple. Yeah. My PlayStation's got, games have got so much better since I did the driving course. There you go. Uh, Lisa anyway. Curry and uh, Mark Tabone are going to join us uh, on the next edition. We've never had a married couple on this podcast. Well, and you'll see why. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and Dale Wright is also going to join us on the next one too from Boom, Crash, Obara. Um, oh, I won't do that because you don't like that bit. I won't do that anymore. Yeah, I just think it's a bit um, – it was unnecessary. I, I don't like it. I like it. I think it sounds weird. <laughs> it's weird. You know, what, Robert, you know, you're in the stupid X-Men. You're just stupid bounce. <laughs> stupid bounce. Yes, you can look forward to that banter coming up in the in the next program. Take it easy, Rockstar. Happy moving into your new abode. Let's hope that works all well for you, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks very much, Kevin. Keep unlocking, everybody. So good at night.